You've just entered the baddest biker bar in the investment world. This is the Danger Zone. Yes, welcome to the Danger Zone on Money Life. It's where we talk with the experts from New Constructs, which evaluate securities on a scale of most attractive to most dangerous, owing to its methodology, which is a mix of forensic accounting and discounted cash flow analysis. At New Constructs, they dig in at the footnotes level and they work their way up. And what they find is that beauty that some people find is very often skin deep. Like, yeah, something looks good only at the surface levels. When you start and work your way up, you find that it's misleading. And if it's misleading and it works against you, well, that's going to be dangerous. It's going to get ugly. If you want to learn more about how it works, go to newconstructs.com. Kyle Gusky is investment analyst at New Constructs. Kyle, it's great to have you back on Money Life. Great to be back. Thanks. Who's in the danger zone this week? DoorDash. Danger, danger. DoorDash. It's ticker symbol Dash. This is a zombie stock. David has said in the past, David Trainer, the president and founder, has said he hates this stock. And I will simply point out, this stock has advertised in the Super Bowl within seven years of its IPO, which I wrote in a column that aired the week before the Super Bowl, was a pretty much foolproof indicator over the last quarter century. If you were within short order of your IPO and you were advertising on the Super Bowl, you were headed for trouble. And by the way, the stock was like 200 and change when it was advertising in 2021, and it's now about $54. But you know, my research there is not nearly as detailed as yours. And my logic there, well, it might work, but yours is a lot more foolproof. So why is DoorDash so overvalued, even after it's come down so much? And is it ever going to be able to get away from zombie stock? This one is kind of, as you noted in the intro there, the top line looks great. They've reported, you know, huge revenue growth, huge marketplace growth, order volume growth, you know, adjusted EBITDA, the, the love of many unprofitable companies is, you know, showing great year-over-year improvement. But when you dig deeper, you really see this as a business that is basically burning cash to maintain or grow market share. Uh, it's a great service for consumers because we're getting something, you know, below cost, but the actual economics of the business just don't work. Do you look beyond the adjusted EBITDA calculation? They're removing, you know, something like 880 million in stock-based compensation. So that gap loss is actually, you know, negative 1.4 billion in 2022. And so you've got basically huge cash burn, negative profitability when you remove all the uh, fun adjustments that they make, the managers makes to make the numbers look better. And then kind of the business of expenses rising year over year for, you know, the past couple of years. Where's the scale? Where's the path to profitability? beyond just, hey, we're going to keep spending money until this works with no signs that it's actually working. And yet, even with the valuation falling as it has, kind of as we said it would, it's still got plenty more room to fall, especially with that zombie stock status. You know, it's one that could go to zero or at least the value of the cash, but the cash to have is also dwindling as they needed to operate the business every year. Let's talk about how out of whack the valuation is separate from the go to zero thing, because they are two separate things. Right now, you could come up with a fair value on it. That doesn't negate the potential to go to zero. That's to say it's got a value now that it maybe won't have after it runs out of cash in an environment where it's hard to raise cash. So trading in the low to mid 50s, how out of whack is this valuation? So we look at it, you know, they've currently got margins around negative 13%. The best ever they've had was negative nine. So we kind of look at, okay, what do they have to do to justify the current share price? Uh, they've got to boost that margin immediately to 83 which is kind of the average of UPS and FedEx. We kind of looked at some of the logistics providers because there is no real 
profitable food delivery service on itself. Um, and then they'd have to go revenue by 31% compounded annually through 2030. Um, and if they do that at their current kind of take rate, which is how much revenue they get for each order, they'd have, you know, marketplace order volume of 436 billion, which is actually over 100% of the projected global food delivery market. And that's just to justify the current price. So, you know, it's massive expectations, you know, over 100% of the market that's projected in 2030. So it's okay. Scale it back a little bit. What if we said, you know, margins get to 4%, um, which is slightly below FedEx's trailing 12 month margin. They grow revenue by consensus for the next two years, and then 13% each year thereafter through 2030. We're looking at eight bucks a share today. Ouch. And it's not like they don't have competition. And by the way, their competition to some extent is a lot of companies that are in similar positions. You're using them with with FedEx, as you're mentioning it here, and you're using them with logistics companies, which would be UPS, but other companies that would be considered logistics companies are things like Uber and Lyft, and Uber is a zombie stock. So is the problem here completely idiosyncratic to DoorDash, or is the problem here logistics is a fine line to walk? It's more the type of logistics. You know, obviously FedEx and UPS are profitable businesses, which is why we kind of use them as the you know best case scenario. But yeah, when you look at the food delivery, last mile Uber type startup, um, we're looking, you know, Uber, DoorDash, Lyft with the ride sharing as well. All of them are negative profitability margins, negative ROICs. Um, so it's more of these startups, you know, they're trying to basically buy market share by burning cash. Um, and in today's market, that is no longer in vogue. Um, we've seen kind of some rationality come back to, hey, these companies don't make money. Let's not keep propping up their share price. Um, and on the competition front, you know, DoorDash isn't the only one doing this. Mark, like you said, Uber's doing the exact same model. It's, you know, how do we take market share? They've talked recently about scaling some of that back because they realize they can't burn cash forever. But that still leaves the other guys in the group or some of the smaller startups. Hey, now it's our time to come in and take market share. And there's kind of that ever kind of vicious cycle of whoever cuts prices gets market share. Whoever raises prices loses market share, loses that growth story. And then, okay, we need to grow again. Let's get back to cutting prices. And there's never a kind of path to profitability on these services simply because they're being provided below cost. Um, and at the true cost, they would no longer be the attractive kind of growth stories that they want to be. And, you know, the other thing that we haven't mentioned at all is the possibility that, hey, if the economy keeps going sideways or south, you're going to have fewer people who want to indulge. Like they'd rather spend their money getting a real meal out and maybe save their money because they're trying to find ways to economize. If you want to economize, DoorDash and Grubhub and the rest are not really the way you're going to do it. For sure. This is definitely a convenience product. Um, there's people can do this cheaper themselves if they want to. There's no need for this beyond convenience and kind of the one of, hey, I don't want to do something myself. Let's go have this service do it for me. But yeah, if you're trying to cut back expenses, that would be an easy one to cut. Is there any stupid money risk? The idea that somebody else is going to come in and go, hey, it's DoorDash. You know, they've got a reputation. I would rather buy them than start something that I think could work. Maybe for the name, but we don't see it being huge simply because the other big player is Uber. And it's well known these companies aren't making any money. So you'd be basically coming in and saying, hey, I want the name, but I want an unprofitable business. And in today's market, you know, we don't see unprofitable businesses going for the kind of premiums they used to in the past couple of years. So it's more of a, hey, let's let this run out, play out kind of thing and see where it lands. It's like, as we said, could be zero if they keep burning cash the way they are. It's why DoorDash, ticker symbol Dash, well... I guess the only good news here, it is in the same boat as Uber Technologies, which, of course, runs Uber Eats, 
which is primary competition here. But it's a zombie stock. Could be headed for zero. Is it necessarily headed for good things other than that meal that it might be bringing you, etc.? Just the stock is colder than the food, that's for sure. Kyle Gusky, thanks so much for talking about it. Thanks for having me. Kyle Gusky is investment analyst at New Constructs, which is online at newconstructs.com and on Twitter at New Constructs. Up next, Kathy Bosjancic from Nationwide in the big interview.